Amen. A season to pray. Amen. Praise God. Well, we have, uh, we want to welcome you to Harvest. If any guests here this morning, uh, we mentioned Church 101. It's about a uh, uh, short meeting that we have with the staff. You want to get to know uh, the leadership team, and we share a little bit about the church and the vision and where we're heading. And then also at the end of the service, we have communion, and everyone is welcome to participate in communion. To be a member of the church, you just need to be a believer, born again, and we'll take care of that at the end of the service. Continue prayer for uh, the missionaries that we're in contact daily with in Ukraine, a very dire, dire situation. Uh, they are northeast of Kiev. Uh, Chernegov is the town. I've been there many times. The ministry headquarters there, Natasha Volvo with her family, her two sons. Uh, just very, very dire uh, situation. And uh, so we, uh, you know, there are millions of believers across the world praying. It's not just in America. Did you know that? I'm amazed of how the world has awakened to this. Literally. Yes. Europe, I mean, ev everywhere. I mean, most God-fearing countries. And so... Uh, I don't, I don't uh, know the ending of it. I have a, a feeling how I want it to go, but we got to trust the Lord. I mean, even Job was in a difficult situation, but it said the end of the Lord was good. But boy, did he suffer. So we're just going to continue to trust the Lord in that. Amen. Uh, we want to welcome those on Facebook. Are we live on Facebook? Are we connected? Or yes, no, or not yet. They're working on that. Let me just take a moment and pray. Father, I humble myself before you, so thankful and humbled to be here today, your people, your precious people. Lord, this is your church, and Lord, I am called to, to serve, uh, to, to lead, and Lord, I ask for your strength here today. Uh, I ask for your grace and your wisdom to give to your people what they need here today to encourage them, not just to hear and to leave, as James says, is looking in a glass and forgetful, but Lord, that we would, we would continue to be world changers in our community and where we live, where we're at, that we would be a light, salt in a dark world. I ask this in Jesus' name and all God's people said, amen. 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 I want to kind of bring to a conclusion here the series. Uh, this is the seventh week, uh, and I'm going to kind of bring it to a close. I could further on, but uh, there's other things I'm feeling the Lord lead into and I've subtitled is Discovering Your Kairos Moment. I want to just give some real basic, practical things that we can be about uh, as believers in discovering these divine moments, which I believe as we get into here, that we are in as a church. And uh, it didn't happen overnight. Uh, we didn't spring up overnight. Uh, some of you think, oh, wow, you know, they're building a building, and that was quick. No, it wasn't. <laughs> it was 20 years <laughs> have set up, tear down, and church on the move, and anyhow, and church on the wheels. Uh, my text I want to put in is Habakkuk 2.3. Habakkuk. For the revelation awaits an appointed time. Somebody say appointed time. And it speaks to the end. It will not prove false. Thank God that when God says something, like a top, it spins until it comes to fruition. But sometimes it takes time. It takes time. It will not prove false. Though it lingers, wait for it. It will certainly come and not delay. Last week, very quickly, uh, Ephesians 5, 15 and 16, we talked about redeeming the time. See then that you walk circumspectly, not as fools, but as wise, redeeming. Somebody shout redeeming. 
redeeming the time because the days are evil. Another translation says, making the most of every opportunity. Did you hear that? <clears throat> Colossians 4, 5 says, walk in wisdom to them that are without. In other words, those that are, they don't know the Lord. They, they're not saved. <clears throat> redeeming the time. And so we've said that in both of these passages and there are many others, redeeming the time is related to wisdom in how we walk. Okay? <clears throat> or how we live. To redeem something, once again, means to buy it back, to regain possession of it. How many know that time is a gift from God? Yeah. Right? None of us know how much of it that we are allotted. Isn't that right? Yeah. We think we have, well, I'm going to, you know, I'll live to 90, or I'll, I've said that for my, forever. My grandmother said that, and she said, I'll live to 90. Well, she lived to 96. <laughs> I mean, so she kind of outlived that, but we, we just don't know. We just don't know. But we need to be ready at any moment. All right? I'm not trying to be morbid, but we need to be ready at any moment to, to face the Lord. And so when God says we should be redeeming the time, he wants us to live in a, watch this, a constant awareness of that ticking clock. Amen. Right? And make the most of the time that we have rather than waste our days on pursuits and things that really leave no lasting imprint. Now, let me just temper that right there because there are things that we enjoy, we like doing. How many know that God is not against that? All right. I mean, like, some, how many like ice fishing? Yeah, okay. How many like the snow, the cold, the 30 below? Okay, yeah. We'll pray for you later. God is not against these things, but if you live for that, yes. how many of you know that's a sin? Yes. Wow, that yes. didn't get much of a response on that. Yes. I mean, those are idolatrous things. If we live to do those all the time and, 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 and everything is just consumed about that, boy, I must be poking the bear or something here this morning. I don't know. <clears throat> and so we don't want to live. How many know that even in those things, you can be a witness? You know, as certain things you do, you can be a witness in those things. So God is not against us enjoying things that bring refreshing in our life, but it's the pursuit. It is the, this is my whole life. This is what I do, you know, or what are those guys that jump out of the planes and they scare the life out of me and they have those suits, those glider suits, you know, and they're flying everywhere and they have cameras now and looks like it's fun. No. I don't want to ever do that. <laughs> you know, someone go collide into a bridge or a building. That's it. It's all over. And things like that. It's like, you know, but, but you can be a witness in that. Help me hear what I'm saying. But, but to live for that, that that is your life, that your world is a sin. And so uh, Ecclesiastes says, and it's King Solomon, and it's actually the, 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 the book is called The Preacher. How many know that he had everything? He had, he had everything. He was multi-billionaire, had it all. And a scripture uh, says that he had everything, everything that this world could offer. Everything. If you read the passage, everything. He said, I pursued everything. I pursued wisdom. I pursued madness. I pr he pursued everything. He said, I went and gardened, and then I destroyed everything that I, I gardened, and I built edifices, and then I destroyed it. He did everything under the sun, and he finally comes to a conclusion. He said, it's all vanity. Amen, Pastor Mike. And I looked at it, I was like, okay, what does vanity mean? In the Hebrew, one translation says meaningless, but it's beyond that. This is really what, if you get a picture of pursuing life pursuits outside of the Lord, it's this. The smoke that drifted off of the Jerusalem dump that sometimes floated into the city, it was useless and it stunk. 
That's a life that pursues vain things. Can I get an amen in this house? To no purpose. It is nonsense is what he came to the conclusion of. Amen. Well, let's just move on. Discovering a Kira's moment. One of the main verses we had is in Galatians 6, 9. So let us not get tired of doing what is good at just the right Time. Somebody shout time. Time, that word, and we said in the Greek is keros, and we will reap a harvest of blessing if we don't give up. And we said that we, we, each week we believe this is the season that the church is in harvest, a keros miracle. It's being manifest in our midst. Uh, and we talk about this word keros each week. It is an opportune time. It is a time and a season that is fitting, different than chronos or chronological, where we live in day in and day out with a sequence of moments and duration of time. But when God does a keros moment, or what I should say this way, when it happens to us, that appointed time, God moves on behalf of your faithfulness. Come on, somebody, your prayers and obedience and just go, you know, plowing through some agonizing times. God shows up and says, listen, I have something for you. Here it is, a suitable moment, an action that takes place. Amen? And so let me just continue here about discovering our Kairos moment, the time we have left, and we're going to receive communion. So, so how do we set about, how do we go about trying to find these significant moments as we live day in and day out? As I say, yeah, somebody's got to get up and do the laundry. Amen? Somebody's got to get up and shovel the snow. And we've had too much snow to shovel. <clears throat> well, these moments really, I believe, can happen any time. I mean, how many have ever had someone that you're going through a difficult time, but somebody was praying and they send you a text that above a Bible verse that spoke to you in that moment? That was encouraging. That was a, a word in due season. Or someone prays for you. Or someone saying, you know what? I'm standing with you. Or uh, God does just something unique. You have an opportunity to speak just in passing while you were going to get your coffee that moment and someone came up to you, started talking, you had an opportunity to share the Lord with them, whatever, or even pray with them. How many hear what I'm saying? Yes, yes. We have to be awake, amen, and notice, wait a minute, what is God doing? Did he just, did God just move in that moment? Yes, but did we notice it? We were awake. Back to Habakkuk 2.3, I like how I have the amplified version says, for the vision is yet for the appointed future time. It hurries towards the goal of fulfillment. It will not fail, even though it delays. Wait patiently for it, because it will certainly come. It will not delay. Somebody say amen. And so, you know, as a church, we've pressed through 20 years starting this church, my wife and I, in our living room with a handful of people, and, and it's just growing and moving from one place in, in, in the, the tech college and discovery school, and then 2006 being here and thinking we would only be here for about maybe three years, you know, and, uh, 16 years later, here we are, but, but now we step into the season of our new building, and, and when did God do it? In the middle of a pandemic, in the middle of a crazy time when riots and insanity going on in the world. Things are in upheaval. And God said, well, now's the time. How many know when God says, now's the time, now's the time? And he'll provide, he'll bring everything you need in that moment. And for one thing, if I would have built before any of this, I know there would have been a huge level of stress. But at this time, I just didn't feel it. For some reason, does it feel? No, I'm not saying at times I walk around and go, what am I, what, what just happened? But that just is a fleeting thing. And I walk around and look, look what the Lord has done. Look what he's doing. I don't, I don't understand. I want to ask him someday, why did you wait? But a lot of things we don't understand until we're maybe even gone. 
Amen. We're gone and we're, we're uh, you know, the things of the Lord continue on and we look, wow, that was the right time. The Lord knew what he was doing. Okay, very quickly, some practical steps that we can take. These are really basic. ABC. This isn't deep theology here. How many know you got to keep it simple? All right. The first thing in discovering your curious moment, stay close to God. Did you hear that? Yeah. Stay, stay, how many know reading the Bible? How many know your life, our lives consist of a string of decisions? And, you know, it, it, you'll never change your life until you change something that you do daily. Okay, we've heard that before. We'll get into that in a bit. In a bit. But how many know about reading God's word? You know, I say that as a pastor and I just think, well, everybody does that. Not so. Reading God's word. Getting in, he's like, well, I don't like reading, Pastor. I don't have time to read. Do you have time to listen? Because there's the Bible on audio. <laughs> you could get the Word of God. It's pray, seek the Lord. Uh, uh, these inspiring divine destiny moments are all around us, and, and, and we just need to be awakened to see them uh, and, and be in tune with the Holy Spirit to know that he's doing that. Otherwise, we'll miss them. You're just, you're just right over our head. We'll just miss that moment. How many with me say Amen. And so, like, I mean, it, it could be a right word in due season. You know, the Bible says in Acts 17, 28, for in him, Christ, we live and move and have our being. How many know living and moving and have our being is all of us? It's all of you. That's really the circle of our life. See, when we come to church, we don't compartmentalize the Jesus. This isn't just a moment that when we come to church, we say, okay, this is Jesus' time. When you leave, it's my time. I didn't think many people liked that, but I'm going to say that again. Uh, your time is God's time all the time because he can interrupt. How many of you know, you know, God forbid you're locked up and your legs are up in the hospital bed. Well, your time is now a different time, right? We need to, we need to live our lives in, Lord, not in fear, not that God, you know, but we need to recognize that our time is precious in its fleeting, amen? So we need to stay close to God. Uh, we've heard leadership gurus say this, Mike Murdoch, John Maxwell, and then even before that, and I have this quote, the secret of your future is hidden in your daily routine. I heard that 20 years ago, and I thought, you know what? I've never forgotten that. I've never forgotten that. And you know what? I thought, I think, I'm going to apply that to my life. And there's some things I, I, I implemented years ago, many, many decades ago in my life. How many of you know that we often exaggerate yesterday we overestimate, to, overestimate tomorrow, and we underestimate today. How many know that today matters? Today, today matters, <laughs> okay? Oh, that faucet's leaking. You better deal with that, because when you're on vacation and it breaks and floods you, come on, somebody. <laughs> and so all the procrastinators are like, oh, I, don't, I don't like that. Gotta be on it, jump on that, be, you know, spot on on that. You know, take care of those things, or have somebody else take care of it. I'm diverting here greatly here. How many know that God wants us to really develop good habits? All right? It's that having good habits is an essential part of living a rich, fulfilling life. And because um, <clears throat> the things, watch this, that we repeatedly do shape the outcomes we get in every year of our life, whether it's our health, whether it's relationships, our happiness, financial situations, our confidence, they are all shaped by our daily habits. We're talking about staying close to God in habits. You know, I studied a little bit about habits and um, <clears throat> social psychologists, or in psychology, they say that it takes anywhere from 18 to 
They actually have it down to 254 days for a person to form a new habit on average. And it takes about 66 days for a new behavior to become automatic. So you want to change something, you want to stop doing something, that's about the time frame what it takes somewhere in there. And how many know that motivation can get you started, but it's a habit that's going to keep you going? All right? Someone needed to hear that. That's why we need to stay close to God. I'm not close to God, Pastor. How do I begin? Well, some practical steps and taking obedience. And, you know, I think back in 1979, I was 15 years old. Where did those years go? 43 years ago. 43 years ago. I made a decision that I'm going to be someone that's going to, I'm going to get God's word inside of me. Now, did I follow that religiously all those years? Well, pretty much, pretty much, but there's times I've diverted, there was seasons, but I always, there was a habit in getting up, I gotta have that coffee with heavy cream, come on, somebody, and and, and then without any distractions, <laughs> and, and seek the Lord where it's quiet. How many hear what I'm saying? Some of you are night owls, you wake up at 10.30, you know, at night, and and and, and you're ready to good to go. God bless you, not me. I, you know, we enjoy just getting up and, and, and seeking the Lord, but it takes time. I had, to, I had to make a point of saying, I'm going to do this. I'm going to do this. There was a time that I, I, I couldn't. I was getting up so early and so exhausted. So in route, I would listen. I would listen. I would teach myself by, by hearing, teaching. Come on, somebody. Amen. You should not walk around aimlessly just letting the world fill your mind. <clears throat> yeah, just kind of, what's on? Well, the radio's on, whatever. Uh, and there's nothing coming in to grow yourself spiritually. Somebody say amen. Or me, amen. You know, 43 years ago, I made a decision to focus on my health uh, and, and weightlifting. And I just enjoy it. And I have never quit. I have no regrets about that 43 years later. No, if I miss a day or even a week or even two weeks or whatever, there was a season, you know, it just, I couldn't do it, but you know what? It's automatic. It's something in my nature. Somebody go, oh. but it's, I forced myself after that period of time as a kid. And it's just something that's second nature. And I feel so much better. Come on, somebody, all you work out, you understand what I'm saying. It's just like, oh, I just feel so mad. I feel like, you know, I got a hold of the day and it was good for me. Good habits. It's the art of showing up every day, even in small ways that separate those who get the life they want from those who don't. Hear me. Every decision you make is a vote for the type of person you want to become. Amen. And we want God to be able to, to, to flow through us and sensitive in the season we're at so we understand these moments. Say, well, Pastor Mike, <clears throat> If you knew my past, you know, it's really, really bad. I bet it is. I really bet it is. All of our pasts are bad, amen? And, but here's the thing about the past. Deal with it. Don't dredge the bottom of the lake. Come on. Some people just live, I got, you know, I got, I got this, you know, wound and I got that. Okay, deal with that. Amen. Try it. Be healed in that. And it's not overnight. It's not a quick, well, repent. Some, some traumatic things have had to people, have, have happened to people that have scarred them in their life. But either Jesus is a healer or he's not. Either he can really bring you through that. My dad was always mad at this or that, and I couldn't do anything right, and he always hollered. 
You don't have to be that dad. You can be a different kind of king. Can I get an amen? And I'm a living example of that. Not perfect, but knowing that I don't I make a decision. I don't want to be that. I want to be faithful, faithful to my family, faithful to my wife, and faithful to the Lord. Can I get an amen here? It's a desire in my heart. But there's forces that are out there that are constantly fighting against you to not do that. You know, I think about that with my dad and properly dealing with the past. And forgiveness was not an overnight thing. It wasn't like, you know what, you hurt me, you scarred me, you never wanted me, you didn't even believe I was yours. That's okay, you know, I forgive you and I move on. Oh, let me tell you something, I went through years, years of just, you know, that, that rejection and feeling like, what, what did I do wrong? I mean, what, what's, what's wrong with me that you can't love me? Now, those of you who have kids and they grow up and I just love them with my kids, they don't, they don't, that's not on their radar. I went, praise God, I broke the curse. Through the name of Jesus. We broke, we stopped the curse. They're like, I don't know what it means to have a dad that doesn't love me. I don't know what you're talking about, dad. Thank you, Jesus. Can stop that, amen? And not bring that on. But I remember, and some of you were here and you remember part of the church that back in 2014, uh, you know, God said, I mean, there was years I had to forgive. And my wife would, I I forgot this, I didn't even know, but she would hear me while we're driving in Dallas when we lived down there whispering, I forgive him. I forgive, I'd just be driving. It was that much upon me, the anger. I would say, I forgive him, I release him, I forgive. And she's like, you know, what are you saying? What, what's going on? And just that, you know, everything was back to what he did, whatever. And then the Lord said, that's great, that's fine. You forgive and you release him, but now I want you to honor him. Oh, what? He hadn't done anything worth honor. Come on, somebody. I mean, honor him? And so then I went, you know what? Okay, Lord. And so I flew him out here, paid for everything, everything picked him up at the airport, brought him back, let him stay in our house. He came to church here. This was back in 2014 and took care of everything for him. He, you know, he was great. He would get up. He got up and get, read his word and he would speak over my kids. I'm like, wow, this is pretty good. And, you know, he had tremendous guilt on what he lived through. Tremendous guilt. Always, constantly put his arm around. I love you, son. I love you. I, said, I get it, dad. I know you do. But the grief in his life and what he has done without getting into all of it just so plagued him. But it's like, it's okay, I'm free. <laughs> I'm free from that. But it was a time I wasn't. It was a time I wasn't. But I, I, I'm free from that. And, 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 and God just, just, you know, he honored that as I honored him. How many with me say amen? amen? You know, Jesus knew that everybody contained potential. He never eliminated somebody just because of their past. Born of a mother who was conceived by him, you know, as a virgin, He knew what it meant to have a questionable background, but here's the thing, Jesus rose above it. Amen? And so please, you know, a lot of times, you you know, at times, you know, you get people that it's always the past, it's always the past, it's always the past. Yes, the past is painful, and and get healed through that, but go through that, amen? Rise above that. How many know that God is the God of the second chance? Amen. Amen? And I thank God for that. The proof of true repentance is, is restitution. There's restitution there, and you know, you know what? And that, like, once again, there's a, a, sometimes you can say it, and you can declare it, and you can confess it, but you're not feeling it. But there'll come a place when it goes from here into your heart, and, and, and there will be restitution. How many know Moses broke the set of the first set of the tablets of the law, but God gave him a, a second chance? <laughs> Samson sinned, but God gave him a second chance. Isn't that right? Peter cursed and denied Jesus, but God gave him a second chance. Thank God for that. You know, we know the story about Jonah. He rebelled against God, and he was swallowed by a great fish. And, 
But the book of Jonah is really not about a fish. When we talk about Jonah, that's the first thing we think about. In fact, only three verses deal about the fish. The other 45 verses tell us the real message of Jonah's story. It's a story of someone just like all of us. It's a story of, of his struggles, his problems, and even his prayer life. It's a story of a second chance, his successes, his successes and his failures. How many with me say amen? Stay close to God and you'll discover those Kairos moments in your life. Very simply, number two, be obedient. <laughs> I told you this was deep. Be obedient. Be obedient. You have that slide? Pull that up. Be obedient. Somebody shout obedient. <clears throat> Amen. You know, a lot of people try to alter their assignment from God. Just do it. <laughs> That's right. Well, the Lord told me, you know, and it's all, just do the assignment he's called you to do. All right, whatever that may be. Hey, I have a verse here you can pull up. John chapter 1, verse 12. But as many as did receive and welcome him, he gave the right, watch this, the authority and the privilege. How many know that you have the right, the authority, and the privilege to walk circumspect, to walk in line with the Lord wants you? Amen? So you have power. Somebody shout power. That word actually in the Greek means exousia. It's the right to rule. God has given you power, so you're not powerless. If you don't know the Lord, you are powerless, truly. Sin has dominion over your life. You are powerless. And, and there again, we shouldn't be mad at sinners. What do sinners do? They sin, all right? Now, Christians sin too, but we have an advocate, Jesus Christ. But you have power to become the children of God to those who believe they're entrusting and rely on his name. You know, uh, I've heard this, and I've said this before, and I do believe it. We hear that <clears throat> obedience brings the blessing. Isn't that right? There's a truth to that, but not all the time. <laughs> it's not that not all the time is not the blessing, but obedience aligns you with the will of God so you will be blessed in God's will. But how many of you know Joseph was obedient and he wasn't, it seemed like a season blessed. He, you know, was sold out by his brothers, right? We know the story, thrown in a pit, sold. Then he's in Potiphar's house. He was accused of something he didn't do. He was walking right and nobody saw him. And then on top of that, he goes to prison and he was obedient. And you would say over the last 14 years, Joseph, obedience brings the blessing. He'd be like, Okay, I've been, come on, I, re, I have been crushed. My life has been, have you, I, I have done, hello, where are you, God? But in one day, yeah. it turned around. One day. one day, that Kairos moment happened, and it all turned around. How many with me say amen? So obedience is the right path regardless, even though there may be difficult things. It aligns you with the will of God. Second John 1, 6. And this is love, that we walk in obedience to his commands, if you've heard from the beginning. And, and that command is that we walk in love. We walk in love. Here's the thing. Does God bless open disobedience? No. Now, how many know people can be ignorant about a certain thing, right? I mean, I don't know about you, but I've read things in the word of God. I'm like, I need to stop that. I, I didn't, I wasn't trying to be disobedient. I just didn't know. I was ignorant. And so the Lord would reveal, like, you need to, you need to stop doing that. Or, oh, okay. I mean, it was like a thing that was clouded. I didn't know. But open disobedience, we know that God doesn't bless. I mean, if you do not obey, why would God open the way for you to see your Kairos moment? Said that with a smile, life-giving. 
right? He's not going to do that. And so we need to, we need to in covenant uh, with him to obey and, and, and have that posture to keep obeying no matter what, no matter what. That, that, that's hard. That's challenging at times. You know, I heard this statement, coexistence with the devil is the power thief. And I thought, yeah, that's true. How many know that when we coexist with the enemy and his plans, it steals our power? Amen. We see that in Mark chapter five, the man that's possessed with the demons of legion. And, and uh, you would say, you could say that he was a modern day demoniac living in social distancing in the graveyard. And the community was fine with that social distancing, right? How many know that Satan, he wants to legalize sin because he, you know, he, does, he doesn't want sin contained. He wants it spread out. He wants all to be affected by it. And, and how many know that when we hear the word of God preached, it shouldn't be always a shout of amen or whatever. Sometimes it can be a oh me. I mean, I use this illustration when you jump a car, and, and I've had to do that not too long ago for somebody. How many know that two positives on the you know, red is not going to jump the car? Sometimes you got to connect the negative to the negative. Sometimes we need to hear the truth, and it hurts. I've had it, and it hurts. It stings. But every message, there should be. Some of you in here go, amen, that's right, Pastor. Yes, there's an encouragement. Some of you should be agitated even now. Then I'm doing my job. Preach Pastor Mike, moving right along. But a lot of times pastors, they just, they don't want to offend anybody. They want to make everybody happy. I don't want to offend anybody. I love you all. But the word offends me. It offends my heart. And so, so we just need to, we don't want to coexist with this. How many know that coexisting with sin will steal our power? Amen. And, and so when we're obedient, it aligns us, it aligns us. And we can have these careless moments that happen that out of nowhere, it's just a surprise of the Lord. I think about obedience better than sacrifice. Um, I remember this trip. We went to New Orleans. It just happened this past Wednesday was Ash Wednesday, and so Fat Tuesday was <clears throat> down there. I was talking to my brother-in-law about it, and, and people, he said that it took two and a half hours. It was a 23-mile strip on I-10 to get in New Orleans. I said, wait a minute, not leaving New Orleans, you're saying getting in. Yeah, he said, people, he said, down on the streets there, they were fed up, exhausted, had enough, social distancing, all this garbage. He said they were out there just living, going nuts. I've been in New Orleans over, my wife and I on the streets, 20-something times, preaching the gospel, standing right there on Bourbon Street. And, and we've taken teams down there from here, too. And, and uh, so, but I remember a trip. It was somewhere between 1998 and 99. I know this because uh, uh, Scott and Chris Wagner, who, I don't know if they're here today, but uh, they, they were on that trip. <laughs> I don't think I remember on that trip. And they were dating at the time. See, here's the thing. You want to get married, date, go on a missions trip. <laughs> Come on, so, <laughs> it's happened a lot here at Harvest. Anyhow, anyhow, they were both down there, and they were great, and uh, troopers, and ministering on the streets. But after the trip, we got on the plane, and we took off, and there was a storm. And uh, I looked over, and there's a guy sitting next to me, and he's got this thick book that he's reading. Um, uh, uh, it was called Aldrich Ames, and he was part of the former Central Intelligence Agency. He was a guy who turned to the KGB uh, he was a double agent, then he was convicted of espionage, all of that, and he's actually serving a life sentence. So it's this real thick book, and this guy's reading that, and I said, oh, what are you reading? He's just telling me that, and next thing you know, lightning hits the plane. I'm telling you, scared the bejesus out of all of us. I mean, it was like, and, and, ah! people started cursing. I mean, people, 
And I just, all I said was, Jesus, you know? And it startled everybody. It was a serious day. I look back, Chris, look, and Scott, and I'm like, we're going to make it. We're going to get back in Jesus' name. And I just started, just felt after that kind of calmed down. This guy was jolted, and, and I just shared, and, you know, he goes, well, what are you all doing here? I said, well, we have a team of six or nine, I can't remember, and we were on the streets and ministering, and anyhow, I said, uh, and he goes, you mean to tell me you came so did someone, did they pay for your trip? No, we paid for our trip to come down. So do you, what are you doing? So he couldn't grasp that these people, this team went down to love on people, to share Jesus. And I said, yeah. And I said, it's attributed to all of them and their love of God. And my wife and I have been many, many times. Well, Rhonda was uh, not on that trip and it was our anniversary. We were getting back in March and I was thinking about it that in my mind, in my mind, like, hi, what do I do? And for gift and you know you know how 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 we're gonna all make that work out and just getting back and and so we land and we get off and and he's getting off he goes you know what I don't know why I'm doing this so he pulls out his checkbook and he writes me a five hundred dollar check and he goes I hope you're telling me the truth I said there's my team I said there's my wife he says God bless you sir and what you do out of the blue didn't even know I'm like oh we can go do something for our anniversary or whatever. And, and, and so how many with me say amen? And so it was a difficult trip. There's things that we did, even the flight back. But you know what? God just showed up as a Carol's moment. And, and it really just blessed my heart. And I think it was his way just saying, just saying thank you. Thank you to leave. How many with me say amen? My last point, number three, be sensitive, listening, or sensitivity, excuse me, listening and looking for opportunities. Be alert, be sensitive. Uh, sensitive to things that you may not even... Uh, at times want to do. I need, you to, I need you to say a word to that person at the gym or, you know, or whatever. Whatever it may be, go over to talk, be sensitive. God can open the door. And there are, I think, more things we don't want to do, come on, than what we think we want to do that sometimes God interrupts our journey and path. Let me give you an illustration here. Johnny England, uh, it, Eglin, E-G-G-L-E-N, he never preached a sermon before. Uh, this is going back to the, the 1850s. It was in January. It was in England. He was a deacon. He was a deacon in the church, never preached before. His job was to come and get the snow out the way and, and shovel off and try to, you know, make it for the people to come to the church. And so he never preached a sermon, never and uh, it wasn't that he didn't want to, it was just there was no need for him to do that, and he knew his role. And so there was a major snowstorm that Saturday night into the Sunday morning. And so here's the thing, he's in bed, and he's thinking, I don't want to get up in this. Come on. Yeah, I, I mean, you know, he thought, who in their right minds would go to church in, in this weather? And then I just wrote down, Minnesotans. <laughs> but he reconsidered. He said, you know what? I need to go. And so he, he gets up, gets dressed, put his hats and boots on. He walks six miles. Six miles. Six. If he didn't drive and he did, you know, auto start, get that thing warm with that heat, you know. And he walked six miles in the snow, goes to church. And is a Methodist church. And he shows up and he wasn't the only member that was there. Uh, he was one of a few, though. 13 people showed up in the church. And uh, 12 members and one visitor, <clears throat> a 13-year-old kid. Never saw him before. This kid just shows up. 
<clears throat> and so someone suggests, like, y'all, y'all need to shut this thing down. This is crazy. You see how bad the weather is or whatever. And he's like, we have come. I walked six miles. I mean, we're going to have a church service. And so that's what they did. And so they just, you know, did a little couple songs, whatever. And, <clears throat> and then it came for someone to preach. Who would preach? And they all looked to him. You the deacon. So, so he never preached in anything, but he had a verse. He was studying that, that morning in Isaiah. And uh, so he's like, well, uh, okay. And so he kind of bumbles around. And then they said his sermon lasted about 10 minutes. It was agonizing. It was literally, it was agonizing. <laughs> it was like, uh, how is this, you know, going to tie into anything? But in, towards the end, he had this moment we sensed. Now watch this. The Spirit of God just say, look up to this young boy who's 13 years old and say something to him. And all that came to him, he said, young man, look to Jesus. Look to Jesus. Look to Jesus. And that was it. And you ask, well, did that challenge make a difference? That boy grew up. And he said, he writes he said, I did look. And then there, that cloud, he says this, he said, the cloud that was on my heart, it lifted. He said, and the, and the darkness rolled away. And at that moment, I saw Jesus. I saw the Son. I saw the Lord in that moment. At 13 years old, as a visitor at a church, and I thought, wow, that's powerful. Who was this kid? Pull up the slide. Charles Spurgeon, the great preacher, shows up. Some of you now look at Charles Spurgeon. I don't know who he is. You go Google who Charles Spurgeon. He was the prince of preachers in England. Millions came to Christ. A 13th, look, that's just a sketch there of an actual, uh, uh, some of the meetings he had. Hundreds of thousands would come out and he would share the gospel. Stand with me if you would, please. Wow, how many of you know, isn't it amazing how just a John Eglin, a deacon, come on somebody that doesn't have a three-point sermon, that doesn't, come on, that doesn't have a theological background, somebody that shovels snow would reach a kid like that that would change all of Europe. That's you. Come, come on now. You have to think differently. God will use you in these moments to change somebody's life. You may fade off into obscurity, but you know what? The credit goes to John. John, the credit, I believe, of every soul that came into the kingdom, when John got up and put his boots on, like, I don't know, this is nuts. Put my hat on, like, I'm going to walk six miles to church. Every head bowed this morning, please. Let us not get tired of doing what is good. At just the right time, <laughs> we will reap a harvest of blessing if we don't give up. God is specializes in the business of using everyday men and women. Men and women, they go out and make the donuts. They make things happen. Machinists, truck drivers, construction, road crew, military, teachers, you know, leaders, civil, you know, doesn't matter. God will use you if you're sensitive and you're looking for those moments. With every head bowed here this morning, those of you watching online, you know what, Pastor, I, I, I just, I need to get right with the Lord. This is an amazing moment. 
the scripture says, now is the time. This is maybe me as just a John Eglin here before you speaking to I don't even know who. You hear this morning what God may do through a life that's submitted to him, even as what he did to a 13-year-old boy. He said, Pastor, I want to get right with God. I need to get right with the Lord, and you need to. You're here this morning, and you want to come in the right relationship with God. Step in obedience. Step out of disobedience and step in obedience. This is the time right now for you to surrender your life. Say, what do I do? It's not mental assent. You confess with your mouth, and you believe in your heart, and you receive Christ, and you make him Lord of your life. And are you going to sin? Are you going to stumble? Yeah, you're going you're gonna to have those times, but you're going to get back up. <laughs> you're going to get back up, and you're going to draw near to God, and God's going to work in and through your life. But now, you're a child of God. I feel even God speaking to young people even now. I really do. Every head bowed as we pray. Pray this way. Say, Jesus, I believe you died on the cross for my sin. Jesus, forgive me. Come into my life. Save me. Jesus, I give you my life. Now take it. Jesus, I make a decision. I look to you. I look to you. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Friends, if you prayed that and you meant that God did, and you're beginning a new journey with the Lord here today. Amen. Amen. Thank you. God bless you.